and just like that, we're live with another podcast with Rihanna stuck in our heads. There's a lot worse places that we could be. Uh, plenty to discuss on this episode, including the Madeline McCann DNA submission. We'll check in with that uh, crazy mystery case. Um, speaking of checking in, check in with the alien mothership. We'll see how the end of the world is coming along. Uh, plus, is Ryan Reynolds a fraud? He's definitely a sellout. Not too in love with the move that he made today. Um, Whoopi Goldberg apologizes for a slur. Trump versus DeSantis. We got a CNN shakeup. We'll get to the Playboy comeback story. Abraham Lincoln might be the most touching and wonderful story we have of the episode. And maybe the most disturbing, even though there's aliens and DNA tests and everything else, will be the fact that George Santos submitted his application for a 2024 run. That psychopath is coming back for more. All that and more on this episode. It's me and you, baby, flying solo for two podcasts in a row. We had a super secret Anthony-only drive-home members-only podcast yesterday. If you haven't seen that in the YouTube members-only area, make sure you go check that out and catch up on that. I drove home in a nor'easter and did a podcast at the same time. It was crazy. Uh, back for a second one here solo. I might be the strongest guy in podcasting. I don't know. There's no real way of knowing it. I do know this. The hair, the hair is strong today. I feel like I'm uh, rivaling Conan O'Brien at this point. But I don't want you to think of me as by myself because I'm here with you. We got so many people checking in on the live chat. Raven, Rob, and uh, Mercury7, Paul. Uh, everybody seems to be here as I go through and say hello to everybody. TD. Uh, welcome in. Make sure you guys keep those uh, comments flowing. So I feel like I got a co-host in you guys. All right. Off and running we are. Um, the woman claiming to be Madeline McCann. Her name is Julia Faustina. She also goes by Julia Wendell. She has submitted samples for forensic testing to determine if she is the missing Madeline McCann. Um, of course, you know that she appeared on TikTok and Instagram claiming to be the missing child. Uh, she has gotten a whole lot of attention, both negative and positive. The 21-year-old submitted samples for three different forensic examinations that will outline her DNA sequence along with a 23andMe-style genetic test to establish her ancestry. Private investigator Dr. Fia Johansson told Radar Online. Dr. Johansson, by the way, has moved young Julia from Poland to a safe house in the United States because she was receiving so many death threats, which is kind of crazy because outside of, I mean, I understand like these cases tend to take on like a big mass following, but I mean, if you're so wrapped up in this that you are sending somebody death threats, I think we should check your meds. You know, I think it's time to call up your psychiatrist and be like, hey, let's uh, let's do a run on the old medication and see if we need to tweak some things, move some stuff around. Uh, Dr. Johansson told Radar Online, quote, if the results come back that she's British 
or from that area, we are going to continue our investigation into Madeline McCann and communicate with the detectives in Portugal. Portugal's where the young lady disappeared from. We have a lot of evidence right now that shows Julia was definitely trafficked to Poland from another country by an international sex trafficking group. We are still conducting an investigation, but Julia is definitely not the biological daughter of her parents in Poland, according to Dr. Johansson. Now, I know we've grown a little bit of a reputation of being the Epstein podcast here, but I can't help but think when you hear the words international sex trafficking group. I mean, I know there's more than one of those around, unfortunately, but could it be? Could we have a little tie-in here with the old Epstein Meister? I don't know. Uh, we will wait and see. We will keep track of it. We will keep you guys posted, as we always do. That is the latest on young Miss Madeline McCann. Uh, make sure you guys join that membership area. Like I was saying, it was kind of fun yesterday. I did the whole drive home in a nor'easter podcast, kind of commenting on the road and talking about some topics and the podcast in general. I haven't done a drive home and podcast episode since I was doing the morning show here in the Hamptons. Uh, I don't even know, five years ago, maybe four years. It's been a little while since we did the drive home thing. I used to do that like every day. We'd drive home and do a podcast and then it just became too much. So I stopped doing it, but um, it was kind of fun to sit in traffic and pontificate and share some random thoughts and the feedback has been lovely so far so thanks to everybody who watched the uh, podcast and uh, again if you missed it go into the members area if you have not joined if you have not become a member do so right now miss justice the best there is in the business just put a link up in the live chat so click on that you can join for as little as 2.99 so it's like less than a cup of coffee at starbucks and uh, boom you're in there you're getting the secret content you get uh, discounts on the merch from time to time. We do merch giveaways. We do uh, all kinds of stuff. Bring people on the show from time to time. That'll be coming up with the 420 show. And overall, you're just helping us fund and keep the podcast rolling, which is so much so very appreciative. Uh, worth it, says Mercury 7. And I've never known Mercury 7 to lie a moment in Mercury 7's life. So just keep that in mind. Um, moving along, the alien mothership. Maybe the most interesting topic of the episode here, since um, reading the reports that have been coming out, it's amazing to me how much we've glossed over such huge chunks of information about the existence of alien life, right, in our universe. Uh, things that we have just forgotten about, like stuff that goes back five, six years I don't remember. I'm curious to see if you remember. So this comes from a document that was released by the Pentagon, Pentagon officials last week. And they are the document is all about how aliens, if they were visiting or they could be visiting our solar system, they would be doing it by having a mothership and releasing smaller probes similar to the way that we, uh, you know, here at Earth and with NASA do the same thing. We send a big thing up and then we have, you know, some little things uh, that go out and gather all the information. So a draft research report 
authored by Sean Kirkpatrick, the director of the Pentagon's All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or AARO. You know it's some important shit when they're like, let's name it something ridiculous so common Americans get tired of reading it halfway through and just give up. I almost did. That is a lot to digest. The All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or AARO. I guess we could call it Arrow. Anyway, Sean Kirkpatrick, he's the director. Abraham Lieb, he's the chairman of Harvard University's astronomy department. They released this document March 7th, and it focuses on the physical constraints of unidentified aerial phenomena. The document says, and I quote, an artificial interstellar object could potentially be a parent craft that releases many small probes during its close passage to the Earth, an operational construct not too dissimilar from NASA missions. These dandelion seeds, as they're calling them, could be separated from the parent craft by a tidal gravitational force of the sun or by maneuvering capability. Arrow was established in July of 2022 to respond to or to be responsible for tracking all the objects in the sky. I mean, you know, since the pandemic, we've kind of had a lot of shit flying around the sky. We've got the Blink-182 guy on it. And our government said, if if the guy who wrote Miss You can follow this, so can we. So they put some resources behind it. And that was Arrow. Uh, by the way, just to comfort you, when you go put your head on the pillow tonight, it's not just in outer space. They're also tracking alien objects in the ocean so thank goodness um congress tasked nasa and them to find 90 percent of all objects near the earth that are larger than 140 meters uh in 2005 which resulted in the pan stars telescopes according to this report on uh, listen to this this is the thing that i think we all missed i certainly forgot about this let me know if you remember this on october 19 2017 the pan stars detected an unusual interstellar object that was later named umamau or scout in hawaiian so if anybody speaks hawaiian in the chat let me know if i'm saying that right umamau umamiao moana is all i know i'm sorry that's i'm a, I got i got a 5 year old girl that's all i know the object was cigar shaped appeared to be flat and was propelled away from the sun without showing a cometary tail, leading scientists to believe that it was artificial. So in other words, they're tracking this thing. They see it. They see it leaving the sun. They look behind, as most things that come flying off the sun would have, a little comet's tail. This thing does not have it. Uh, what the hell is it? That's what makes them think it was artificial. I would think it would be artificial too. I know that if I was man in the telescope that night in the old arrow department, I'd be like, holy shit, this thing does not have a tail. I am terrified. Now, it's nice to see that our own Jay Sabs has entered the chat and she is contributing as she typically does. And here she is saying, and I quote, probe me. What would we do without our Chase apps? Who also texted me, by the way, in case you're wondering where she is, she is uh, choking dogs to death. As you can see from the photo right here, Your Honor, 
I submit to you as evidence. What is she doing? She is literally grabbing a dog by the throat and strangling a life out of it. Look at how concerned this dog's poor eyes are. I don't even know who we can call the ASPCA. Uh, do I just call the Suffolk police? I'm not sure what to do. Uh, somebody please help this poor dog. I don't know why anybody would give this clearly insane and unstable lady a pet to care for. <laughs> but I am uh, concerned. I am very, very concerned for that little pooch. All right. Uh, well, prayers to that little doggy. Anyway, back to the alien mothership. Three years after Umamamau was discovered, another object was found. Uh, namely, re report the report noted, namely NASA's rocket booster in 2020, which had no cometary tail as well. The report also said six months before Umamamau made its closest approach to Earth, a meter-sized interstellar meteor named IM2 crashed on Earth and exhibited an identical speed relative to the sun at large distances and an identical shape to Umaumau. So the flat cigar-shaped thing shot a flat cigar-shaped thing out of it and it crashed on the Earth. How does nobody remember? I, I don't remember this. I, I feel like that's kind of a big deal. That's not really something that you want to leave out of the old report. You know, there's a million and one news reports every single night. You think one of them would have been like, hey, whatever happened to that thing that crash landed on Earth that came from the other huge mothership thing that we, <laughs> we just kind of lost track of? I don't know why this wasn't a bigger deal. I really don't. Um... The authors of this draft from the Pentagon wrote, quote, with proper design, these tiny probes would reach Earth. Oh, here, this will be this will this will be nice and fuzzy for you as you cuddle into bed tonight. Uh, with proper design, these tiny probes would reach the Earth or other solar planets, uh, solar systems and planets for exploration as the parent craft passes within a fraction of the Earth sun separation, just like Umaumau did. Astronomers would not be able to notice the spray of many probes because they do not reflect enough sunlight for existing survey telescopes to notice them. So these things would be flying off this object so much and would be so tiny that they wouldn't reflect enough light for the telescopes to pick them up. I mean, don't look out the window right now. I, I have a window next to me in the studio. I refuse. I will not be looking this way for the rest of the episode because I am terrified to see. I feel like there is an alien. Sh I know you can't see out of frame from here. I feel like there's an alien ship right here just staring at me through the studio window right now. Like, this guy is on to us. He's a By the way, this is the last time I'll talk aliens in this episode. If you think that I think that they're not fucking listening and they're not coming for me first, you're mistaken. This will be the last time, just like with the old blatant body count, I just don't know if we'll be tackling this topic ever again. I'm just not sure. 
I am fucking fascinated. It is all hell, though, because isn't it this how it starts like in all the alien movies where they finally come to the realization of how all the sci fi stuff would be a big mothership, little ships flying out of it. Now, all of a sudden, the Pentagon's like, here's a piece of paper. We think this is kind of how it's going to happen. And it kind of goes out there and it's like. Becomes acceptable, becomes the norm. Somebody has a little theory, writes a paper, releases it. And next thing you know, 20 weeks later, we're all, you know, we're all in chains. <laughs> Slowly being walked up that well-lit uh, beam up to the mothership. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Janie, Stonehenge, watch out. Dude. I think about that more and more. You know, there was something about the pyramids that they just said the other day. Um, where they found like a compartment in the pyramids. And I was reading something else where they were like studying the the stones and how the stone, I mean, this is old hat, but it's kind of fun to talk about it now when we're talking about motherships coming into our atmosphere. The, the, the dating those stones, I mean, the amount of time that those stones were around is ridiculous. And that the weight and that the the girth of them and how they were put in place is just flat out insanity. I mean, how could you think anything else about Stonehenge, the pyramids, than it was some sort of crazy alien technology coming here and just messing around, you know, all that kind of jazz? I mean, how on earth else could they have moved those stones and all this other craziness, you know? The only, I will tell you this, this is the God's honest truth. The only solace I take in all of this stuff is this theory that has cropped up recently with space and time and multiverses and all this jazz that's going on. But this idea that these aliens aren't necessarily from other planets, but that they are from other times and it's just us going back in history. That is the only thing I can take solace in. Cause that's the only way I feel like if we were to really come in contact with something, they would not really harm us because I feel like it's the height of naivete and American pride to be like, well, if the aliens develop a technology and come here, we should be fine. Why? Why would we be fine? Well, they'll take care of us. Why? For what reason? Why would they do that? You know, for for what reason would that happen? I I can't think of one. It makes no sense to me to be like, yeah, I'm sure. They'll come here. They'll give us all sorts of amazing technology and weapons and things. And then they'll leave. They'll they'll develop a trade. You know, we'll, we'll have a trade system and we'll have a wonderful relationship. What would we give them? Uh, Kardashian articles? What do we have to offer? We have next to nothing. We literally have next to nothing. I'm going to say this and I mean it. The eight years of that Seinfeld show is the best thing we have ever produced as a civilization. That is it. That is it. That is the height of humanity is the Seinfeld show. Maybe The Office. Outside of that, what are they going to be impressed with? Bridges? The tunnels we built, that is not going to be impressive. Our 
uh, weapons, our nuclear bombs, bupkis. We cannot compete with them. What, Twitter? Are they going to be like, oh, we can't harm the humans. We don't want to lose Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, we have nothing to offer. We've got nothing to offer these people. They, They are going to kill us, or they're going to enslave us. And the only chance that we have is that it's us come back from the future. Now, I'm missing some of the conversation in the chat here, but I know that Paul mentioned ayahuasca to Bird. I'm not sure what the the evolution of this conversation was. But I feel like ayahuasca has become such a popular thing and more and more people are talking about it now that I wonder if that thing that happens to you when you're on ayahuasca takes your brain to another place, gives you access to something that you wouldn't normally have access to. So what I'm proposing is we drop the Pentagon people from working on this and we get the ayahuasca people working on it. That's what I would like to do. I'm not saying, maybe we don't drop the Pentagon people, but maybe in addition to the Pentagon people, those who are tripping balls on ayahuasca, we get them a pen and a piece of paper and just put, what about the aliens on it and see what they write while they're tripping balls. Let's see what they come up with. And, and, and we'll keep Tom DeLong from Blink-182 on it too, of course. I don't want to drop him either. I'm not looking to cut corners here. I want to keep everybody on the case for as long as we possibly can. Now that we've all come to the conclusion that an alien mothership is inevitable. You know, that's inevitable. It really is an amazing leap when you go from, we're not sure what's out there, to... It's probably an alien mothership if there's something. We're probably going to be. It's like when OJ wrote that book of like, if I was to kill Nicole, this is how it would be done. I feel like that's what we just got from the Pentagon. Like, if there was to be aliens, not saying there is, but let's all pretend like we we don't really know what happened. If there was a yeah, mothership, little tiny probes that we wouldn't see coming anyway. So, happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Uh, this year should be a good one. I know I'm going to be drinking more faux show. Um, let's go over to T-Mobile and Ryan Reynolds and his Mint Mobile. So Ryan Reynolds, who I love. I mean, when you're handsome, such as myself and Ryan, you don't want to take another handsome guy down a peg. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the handsome guys in live chat know what i'm talking about we got paul got robin a lot of good looking fellas here we all know we don't want to we're not here to fight one another but you know he i feel like ryan had this like rough acting career he wasn't really taken off a lot of bombs then he kind of regroups and kind of has like a little hit here and a little hit there starts building momentum starts getting into businesses launches a gin, comes up with this mint mobile. And, you know, I'm, listen, I'm a lifetime Verizon guy. My old man worked for the company. Uh, so I'll be Verizon until the day I die. But I like admire a thing of like, oh, it's mint mobile. It's like lean and young. And they got this cool marketing approach. It's like him just talking straight to camera. They're doing all this stuff. And like I bought into this, like he's doing this for the, the common person. You know, it's like you don't need the flash or extravagant. Like Verizon is like 
way overpriced and ridiculous. You know, the nation's largest, uh, you know, fucking who cares? I'm on Wi-Fi 98% of my life. I can't even remember when the last time it was I made an outgoing phone call that was not on Wi-Fi. All this stuff that Verizon is flexing that I'm paying out the ass for means nothing. I mean, it means I think I can cancel my cell service and just literally survive on Wi-Fi and not notice a difference. So the Verizon shit is useless. That being said, I see this Mint Mobile stuff and I'm like, I kind of like this, like, you know, we're not the big corporations and carriers and we're kind of lean and, you know, we're doing all this stuff. Yes, uh, Christine, thank you. See, you guys are the best co-hosts. Who needs Frank and I forget what the other one's name is even. Uh, his biggest hit was Blake Lively. Yes. I mean, the guy landed Blake Lively. Who's not going to root for somebody that can do that? Um, by the way, I told you the Blake Lively story. My wife and I ran into her. She had this crazy dog. I think it was Blake Lively. I'll have to ask Cuddles when she comes back around. Um, and we were so obsessed with this dog that we finally put it together like three weeks later that we had talked to Blake Lively. I still don't know who Blake Lively is, to be totally honest with you, but I know she's a big deal. She's gorgeous, too. Uh, so all this stuff, I'm like, this guy's really got it going on. And then the story comes out today that he sold his Mint Mobile to T-Mobile for $1.35 billion. And I just, like, my heart sunk a little bit, you know, because I thought, like, here's this guy, he's selling this whole image of, like, you know, like, we're not that big corporate thing. And like, even, you know, and it's like, and like, okay, so how cell phones work, right? Or, you know, it's Verizon, it's AT&T, and I think T-Mobile are really the big three. And like every other like cellular service that you see out there basically uses all those three networks. But AT&T and Verizon are so huge, you know, and T-Mobile, although big, is kind of that scrappy third, you know, T-Mobile's the Wendy's of the cell phone towers, right? Verizon's the McDonald's, AT&T's the Burger King, or maybe vice versa, however you see it. T-Mobile's the Wendy's bringing up the rear, right? And you're like, all right, he could have went to T, he could have went to Verizon, but he went to T-Mobile to stay lean, to be inexpensive, to be cheap, to give, all, you know, the common man, the common lady cell service. And then he just turns around and sells the goddamn thing to T-Mobile for $1.35 billion. Uh, am I crazy to lose a smidge of respect for this guy? You know, like, do you need that much money? Like you, I get a little offended when you build a company off of we're not corporate America. You know, we're not spending tons of dollars on crazy commercials with celebrity endorsements. We're not doing all this crazy shit. We're keeping our costs down. We're thinking about you first. We're not sellouts. We're not this. We're not that. And then it's like, oh, here you go. Give it to T-Mobile for $1.35 billion. I mean, like, what do you think T-Mobile is going to do with this? You think T-Mobile is going to be like, we'll keep Mint? Five years from now, Mint Mobile will not exist. That is a guarantee. That is a million-dollar guarantee from your old pal Ant, right? They'll keep him around for a little bit. He'll keep doing the Mint Mobile commercials. And then what's going to happen? They're going to go, well, it makes more sense to just roll it all together into our portfolio. And then Mint Mobile will be gone. And then what do you think they're going to do after that? Keep the prices the same? No, they're going to fucking raise the prices on people. So a little like, eh, 
kind of upset with with Ryan Reynolds. Look, it's a great business move. I mean, the guy's making crazy business moves, right? He started that gin company, which I've never had that gin. I'm not a gin guy. I do not like gin. To me, gin is like drinking flowery perfume. Like if you just opened, if you just went to the Macy's counter, opened up a bottle and chugged it, that's what gin tastes like to me all the time. It feels like I'm drinking perfume. I don't like it. Uh, but I loved, I forget the name of it, Propeller or something or whatever it was. Like I thought his logo for the gin was like the best. Like it really was like just sleek and nice and his ads were good for it and everything. And he sold that off. Uh, I think just before the pandemic for $610 million. This guy is building like a billion dollar empire, you know? Um, and it just doesn't strike me as the the type. Like he's like this, like, you know, I mean, he tried to be the cool movie star that does the comic book thing and it didn't work. So what did he do? Like he failed his Green Lantern movie stunk and it failed. And then he went off and did Deadpool. And then Deadpool became this like, fucking super cool like cooler than a real you know comic book movie type of a movie again he just became this like outsider cult following type of a guy thanks misfit of chaos aviator gen that's what it was what did i say propeller that was close that's that's closer than i thought i should have been you know what i'm saying so it just kind of seems like when you think you got this like i'm doing things cool on the outskirts of business kind of a guy you step back and you look and you realize this guy's just banking fucking cash this is another one of these celebs moving money around and you know and making things happen and here's what's weird too he and and this is what i always think about when i look at these companies he was the face of aviator gin he was in every one of those magazine ads he was the spokesperson for Mint Mobile. He was in every one of those quirky, fun little green background commercials. People were buying him. Once you're not buying Ryan Reynolds, the cool movie star guy, do you really have a product? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Now, I'm not a gin drinker. My uncle is. I should ask him. I don't know how he feels about Aviator. Um... But I feel like gin sucks altogether. And I don't know if it makes a difference really from one to the other. I'm not really sure I've ever been in a bar where I've heard somebody go, uh, do you have aviator gin? You know, I just don't know if that's really a thing. And, you know, mint mobile, there's a lot of like, you know, inexpensive mobile carriers. I don't know if you have people like trying to be a part of mint mobile if it doesn't have Ryan Reynolds face on it you know i'm not quite sure i really don't know so i wonder why these companies like buy these small companies made by celebrities when i feel like most of the heat that those companies have was because of the celebrity and then once you become part of the big corporation it kind of loses its whole thing you know i don't know um hurt little hurt by the whole Ryan Reynolds move. Good for him. Congratulations to him on cashing in. I'm happy. You know, there's a lot of uh, juice surrounding this Deadpool uh, 3 with uh, Hugh Jackman and it being like a Wolverine Deadpool thing. Good for them. You know? Um, but I feel like you lose uh, a little bit of your cool points. 
when you make a move like this and you sell to a uh, fucking uh, T-Mobile. Um, we'll see what Ryan Reynolds' next move is, what his next big, huge company is that he's going to fucking drive up and then sell out for. Who was the girl we saw with the puppy? Was it Blake Lively? It was? Yeah. Okay. That's confirmed. Thank you, Cuddles. Hmm? Yeah. Um, all right, moving along. Whoopi Goldberg. I see the headline this morning. Whoopi Goldberg uses racial slur on on uh, the View, and I'm like, oh, this must have been good. What did she use? Technically, I guess this is a racial slur. I'm going to say it because I had no idea that this word was tied in to race whatsoever. Now, I read the story, which, by the way, came out in, um, I believe, I don't know what paper this is, the New York Post. And they bleeped it out, like in the actual article. So it says here that during a discussion about Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels on Wednesday's episode, Whoopi Goldberg referenced, quote, people who still believe that he got JY-D somehow in the election. JY-D. Now, I read this looking for a racial slur, and then I'm like, JY-D. What the hell? What kind of... Now, I'm, you know, I mean, we all know the big racial slur words. JY-D doesn't immediately come to mind. But I'm putting it together with the whole Trump thing, and I'm like, is it gypped? Is gypped a racial slur? So then I continue to, like, read the story here, and it turns out that it is. That gypped is a derivative of gypsy. Now, I had no idea. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the first known recorded definition of the term, and they bleeped it again. And this is in the New York Post. In the New York Post. I'm like, is this... I feel weird saying it right now. Um, the first known definition of the term gypped dates back to the 1899 century dictionary which said that it is probably an abbreviation of gypsy j-y-p-s-y gypsy g-i-p-s-y as applied to a sly unscrupulous fellow um in a 2013 npr article pondering the term one twitter user said that it hurts the roma more than it hurts you. Uh, people took to social media today and wrote, please don't use the J-Y-P-E-D uh, word, Whoopi. I mean, this is crazy. I, I, so, and, I, and I'm like continuing to, to look at it. Like, I know, like, I've heard of people refer to people as gypsies before. Let me give you my interpretation of it. Like a gypsy is somebody like I never tied the word gypsy into a race. And lo and behold, gypsy is commonly used to describe the Romani people. I don't even know where the fucking Romani people are from. I have 
no clue where the Romani people are from. And I got news for you. If I were Romani, I would be like, I, people call us Romani. I don't think anybody would tie Romani into gypsy. Let's just let this go. <laughs> and nobody would, nobody will, none will be the wiser. Now, is that Romanians? The Romani people? That would make sense, Romanians. But again, if I'm Romanian, I'm going to be like, I don't think anybody's going to tie this together that we were the quote-unquote gypsies, right? Thank you, Liz Dennett. Who knew? I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody. Again, if I'm at the meeting of the Romanian people, I'm going to stand up and go, everybody, shh, shh, shh. I don't think anybody knows that people were calling us gypsies. Let's let that go. Like, in my mind, a gypsy was like, like somebody who'd... <laughs> Somebody who was in a traveling circus who, you know, lifted your wallet and did all that kind of jazz, you know, like I didn't I would not necessarily tie that into one particular race per se. I think you could have any sort of background to be a traveling con artist. That's what I know the term of gypsy. And I just assume the whole world knew the same. Uh, so if you're Romanian and you're watching this, I would take zero offense to the term gypsy first of all and then even less offense to the term gypped because i don't think anybody knew that gypped was even tied into gypsy which sounds pretty much the same that just goes to show you how big the leap is of gypsy to romani that nobody should possibly be worried about in any way shape or form so uh, anyway regardless i don't know how but enough people on Twitter today made uh, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg feel guilty about the the term gypped, and uh, she recorded an uh, apology for it. So, I you know I, I don't really know. And again, you know what's funny too? Like if you go, you know, be careful of that gypsy over there. To me, that's bad. But there's like so many songs about <laughs> gypsy woman and all this stuff. That it is also kind of like, I feel like a term of endearment to a degree, you know? Uh, you know, like a woman kind of stealing your heart or being so, you know, intoxicated by, you know, uh, a passerby that it, like this dangerous whole kind of uh, thing. Um, you know, again, I, I do kind of feel there is this air of, we could make this stuff worse by our reaction to it. You know what I mean? Like with all this stuff, you can make it worse by the reaction. If you don't give these things teeth, they won't bite, you know, they won't bite, but you kind of do stuff like this and it almost kind of keeps the negativity alive. If you will, will in a strange kind of way. Yeah. Like Stevie. Thank you, Liz. Mercury, like, see, you know, be a gypsy woman. It was kind of like a, you know, intoxicating idea. Kind of a nice thing, I think. An exciting thing. Listen, we've all been part of that. This woman is no good for me, but I'm going to give this a shot anyway. And some of us get caught in those relationships and some of us marry them and have two kids with them. <laughs> Some of us, I'm not saying, you know, anybody in particular. I'm just saying some of us. 
catching the stare of death from cuddles just for you guys, just to get a laugh out of you guys on this episode. Uh, so there's Whoopi Goldberg's apology. And I do also feel like, you know, it is this liberally whoopee view thing of like, let's apologize and heal the world together, which almost sort of gives it a, a disingenuine feel for me. Uh, by the way, happy, what is it, 75th birthday to uh, Billy Crystal? I mean, dear Lord, the man is just a legend, an absolute legend in time. He posted on Twitter yesterday him crouching down in the famous white sweater, blue jeans look from When Harry Met Sally, which may be one of the greatest films of all time. And that's how I realized that he was, uh, I think he said, yeah, 75 years old. 75 years old yesterday. He's a goddamn national treasure. We should all be grateful that we've come across Billy Crystal. Um, I want to revise an earlier statement when I said that Seinfeld show was the greatest thing that we have to offer the aliens. I'm going to go back and say Seinfeld show and uh, Billy Crystal. Has Billy Crystal been caught in a controversy ever at all? Have we ever gotten mad at Billy Crystal and felt the need to cancel him? I don't think so. I cannot remember one single time where we were like, you know what? Fuck that Billy Crystal and his bullshit. Never. Not once. We've always been in love with him. He's always killed it at the Oscars. All his movies are great. Even the ones that are not so great are still kind of great. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like um, I'm going to say something bold here that I might get some flack for. But I believe when we finally get around to adding to the United States of America flag, when we finally like, hey, it's been a number of years, we should change this. We should just put a picture of Billy Crystal on it and be done with it. Crouching down in his famous white sweater and blue jeans from when Harry met Sally. That's a flag I can get behind and I can salute. Not that I can't salute this one. I like this one just fine. I'm just saying when it comes time for us to put on that alternate jersey of a flag, maybe we fly the Billy Crystal flag every now and then. Uh, I believe it'll be quite lovely, just as much as the stars and bars. Um, Trump versus DeSantis. Uh, credit a lot of people who sent this over to me. Paul, one of them. Uh, one of my main guys on Twitter, helping produce the show from afar on Twitter. I think, I mean, I, I've surmised this for some time, but this is a real, like if, this is a real move that Donald Trump is very scared of Ron DeSantis. A pack that is linked to Donald Trump. So, you know, a political action committee is one of those things where it's not the candidate, but they don't really make moves without making sure the candidates are okay with it, because if they did, it's really bad. Like if this PAC acted independently and didn't get Trump's okay through back channels and I'm Trump, I'd be pissed off. I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Because this sends a clear signal that the Trump campaign is concerned about the DeSantis campaign. So through this PAC, right, they have accused Ron DeSantis of an ethics violation tied to what they call DeSantis's shadow presidential campaign. Draft of a 15-page letter by Make America Great Again, Inc. calls the Florida Commission on Ethics to investigate DeSantis, alleging that the 44-year-old has violated a slew of state statutes as well as federal campaign finance laws. The complaint refers to DeSantis as a, quote, de facto candidate for president, end quote, and claims that the governor is leveraging his elected office and breaching his associated duties 
in a coordinated effort to develop his national profile, enrich himself and his political allies, and influence the national electorate, end quote. Now, is that what DeSantis is doing? Absolutely, a thousand percent, that's what he's doing. That's why he's off in fucking Texas and California making speeches and doing all kinds of bullshit. He's fucking raising money for his future presidential campaign. But this is what all candidates do. And all candidates are not really candidates until they officially declare and qualify. And you can't declare and qualify unless you run around and raise your profile so that you could raise enough money so that you can announce and qualify. So, I mean, this is par for the course. Uh, So I don't know, you know, what they're doing by calling this out. You know, it's like getting upset at somebody for doing 45 in a 40 mile an hour zone. Are they breaking the law? Well, technically, yeah, but who doesn't do 45 in a 40 mile an hour zone? Everybody does, unless you're JSABs and you're doing 85. That's for another time. We'll hopefully get a ticket update from her on Friday. So calling somebody out for bullshit like this just makes you look bad. And again, if this pack was acting independently, I'm Trump, I'm on the phone being like, I don't know what you're fucking doing. But stay the fuck out of this because you're making me look bad. And if they are, they are in on it, it is a stumble for Trump for me. Because, again, you're just signaling that you're concerned about DeSantis. You know, what's doubly interesting about this is we're talking about a guy who announced an exploratory committee to run for president at least six times before he actually ran for president and won. I mean, Trump every four years was like, I don't know, I might run for president. By the way, have you seen my new book? Like that is how the guy moved merch for easily 16 to 20 years and nobody had any issues with it, you know? And now all of a sudden, you know, boom, we got a problem with it. So bad luck for Trumpy Trumpkins on this one. He really, again, he's putting some teeth into DeSantis's campaign because it really makes him look like he's, you know, a little concerned what's going on. You know, uh, let me shoot back to this comment here from Christy. That girl is definitely not Madeline. Her eye shape and chin shape is very different. Those things don't change. I think a lot of people don't think that uh, the young lady is Madeline McCann, but there's something to the fact that this has gained such heat, don't you think? Like the fact that we're all talking about it, that she's garnered like thousands of followers and all this kind of jazz. Like, I don't know if it's people just hoping that it's her or if there's enough people out there that think it really truly is her. I don't know. I think when you get this much heat, though, you uh, you got to fucking uh, you got to just ride it out and get that 23 in me. Uh, credit to Misfit and of Chaos. Billy Crystal was in a controversy from when he did blackface on SNL. Yes, that is right. I forgot about that. But I feel like that was retroactive controversy. Like he did that for a number of years. And then after everybody started going out looking to cancel people, that's when they were like, oh, by the way, remember when Billy Crystal did the whole blackface thing, which, you know, again, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but his, if I remember correctly, wasn't that going along with his uh, Sammy Davis Jr. impression? Right? Like, so, you know, there's a difference. There's there's a difference when you're being really racist and doing blackface in a 
spoofy, bad, like, you know, negative condescending way. There's a difference between that and I'm doing an impression of somebody, you know, who happens to be black. Um, he always did a great Sammy Davis, by the way, whether he was wearing the makeup or not, um, as one of his characters. You know, what's funny. I'm watching the Chris Rock thing the other night. And before the Chris Rock special, before and after, they had like a pre-show and a post-show. And they had Dana Carvey on with um, uh, the other blonde guy that looks exactly like Dana Carvey. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But Dana Carvey, they were talking about something with Chris Rock and Will Smith and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is there, J.B. Smoove is there, Arsenio Hall is there. And I believe they were talking about uh, black culture, race, whatever it was. And they said something about Obama. And then Dana Carvey started doing an Obama impression, which was really good. And he actually, you could feel the room get quiet. And after he did the impression, I would love it if anybody saw this to see what your thoughts was. He actually was like, is this racist? He had that moment of like, is this, is it racist just to even do an impression? Uh, You know, which, you know, again, kind of seems crazy to me because can you do a racist impression of a black person? Absolutely. But not every impersonation of a black person is racist, especially the president of the United States. Like who's not doing an impression of a president, every single president, maybe not Jimmy Carter. Cause that guy was just dull as all shit, but from Reagan, Clinton, Bush, Obama, like everybody does a presidential impression. You know, and this weird thing of like, is this racist now? I just, it seems a little crazy to me. It kind of seems a smidge on the crazy side to me. I'd love to get everybody's thoughts on this. Uh, Boy, Robin, bless your heart. I feel like you're inside my mind. David Spade. Thank you. I couldn't think of David Spade. I also feel like if it's the universe or God or whatever you believe in, but David Spade and Dana Carvey was a lazy copy and paste, right? Don't you get the feeling like, the world, the world created Dana Carvey, and then it was a copy and paste. Maybe it was done at like four fifty nine, and they were like, "I'm going to change a couple things," and they changed like one or two, and then they were like, "I'll fix this tomorrow." And then whenever God of the Universe came back in to finish making some changes on David Spade, he forgot, lost his place, and then just moved on. And we got David. We got basically almost the same exact thing ten years later. I mean, it's kind of crazy. With the two, when you look at the two, I didn't really think of it much at the time, but when you look at the two of them together, you're like, holy shit, this is the same person. Perhaps uh, their father was stepping out on their mother, and that's how we got. I don't know how it all works, but those two fuckers look exactly the same. Um, Speaking of which, CNN shakeups, we're coming down to the end of it. Um, But I do find this interesting. We have talked about Don Lemon. Supposedly, Don Lemon blew up at his co-host back in December. It was a little bit of a big deal. Caitlin Collins off the air. It's come to light. It got emphasized a bit more when he said the thing about women being past their prime. It got brought up again, and people were like, oh, yeah, you should hear all the bullshit that's going on back in December. He was screaming at Caitlin Collins for interrupting him on the show, which is kind of a dickhead thing to do. Um, But anyway, two big things here. Caitlin Collins and Don Lemon represented by the same agent. Caitlin Collins has fired her agent 
and has gone with um, super agent Ari Emanuel over at William Morris. Now, if you're not familiar with the agent thing, but Ari Emanuel is what Ari Gold from uh, Entourage is based on. So he is like a super duper agent. Now, the one that she just left is a guy named Jay Suarez, who is also a pretty big talent agent from United Talent Agency, but Don Lemon is his biggest client. And I'm going to tell you this. When Don Lemon is your biggest client, you have some cause for concern because that's not a great, I mean, it's time to start developing some other people because it feels like we're in the twilight of Lemon's career here. But again, she went from a decent agent or a good agent, a respected, well, you know, well-known agent to maybe the most powerful, popular agent there is out there or one of. Again, when you have a character like Ari Gold fashioned after you, that's a pretty you're a pretty big deal. And William Morris, even people who are not in the business know and have heard the name of the term William Morris and know how big that agency is. So. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, sources are talking about the fact that she wasn't being represented, that his voice was being held over her voice, which kind of makes sense because he is the bigger name out of the two of them. I mean, Don Lemon, as far as names go over at CNN, is bigger than Caitlin Collins. I mean, that might be changing now with the morning show. Uh, and speaking of which, uh, major shakeups over there. You know, it's bad when they start firing producers at a show. And that's exactly what they've done. Um, two veteran executive producers let go on Monday from the morning show, longtime producer Lauren Mensch and Chris Russell, who recently was the executive producer for News Nation, um, are going to grab the reins from Eric Hall, who was let go. Uh, so they're shaking up a lot of things behind the scenes there. So not the best kind of vibe or feeling when you're walking the hallways of that CNN morning show right now. And I forget who the, the, um, okay. So here's another one. So Chris liked is the CEO of CNN. His boss who runs Warner brothers discovery, David Zaslov has voiced support for him. Despite him getting a lot wrong is what he said today. So he's like, yeah, I support that guy, even though he's got a lot wrong. Not great. That reminds me of when, you know, you got a sports team and they ask the GM, you going to make a coaching change? And they're like, I fully support this coach. And then they lose two more games. And they're like, he lost the locker room. He had to go. Like, I mean, it's when you get that support from ownership or the general manager, <clears throat> that's basically signing your death warrant. You are on your way out at that point. And I feel like that's what Chris just basically got. Now, listen, does he get more time to continue to shape CNN? I believe so. I believe so. It takes a long time to turn around a network, especially one as shitty and embattled as CNN. You know, like that, that CNN was in bad shape. And... They need a lot of work. And that kind of stuff doesn't happen overnight. And I get being like, I don't know, can we make Don Lemon viable? Get him from the 10 o'clock and put him on the mornings. It was a good shot, but I think you need something a little bit different. That show is getting spanked, by the way, by, um, I don't know what the Fox, is it Fox and Friends? That's not that's not the morning show, is it? I think it's the afternoon show. 
Uh, but the Fox Morning Show and uh, that Morning Joe there um, kicking this shit out of the CNN show still to this day. Morning Joe, though, those two are, are banging each other in the morning. That's yeah, I think that's kind of what you need. Everybody wants to tune in to be like, oh, they're going to start arguing on the air. What's going to happen there? Is that relationship going to spill over onto the airwaves? I don't really know. So that's the latest from CNN. Uh, Playboy is making a comeback. I found this interesting. Playboy a number of years ago said they're going to stop doing their print publication. They're just going to go digital, and they're not doing any nudies. No more hooties and nudies from Playboy. That was a number of years ago. I don't know what they're doing. Um, I haven't. I don't even know. Like, I, I, are they a Twitter account? Are they an Instagram account? Are they a website? Are they a blog? I assume so. I can honestly tell you, I've never been to visit their site. But I will say this that they are going to relaunch as a digital first publication, which I thought they had been doing. I guess they haven't. I'm not entirely sure. But the angle this time around is Playboy is going to relaunch as a digital first publication and take on OnlyFans. So it's not like they're going to be like a racy, like, you know, because Playboy, I mean, I know all the hack jokes aside, like, they really did have like, you know, articles on lifestyle and politics and, uh, you know, uh, tech, you know, stereo reviews and shit like that. You know, back in the day when they were a, a, a print magazine with the, the centerfolds and all that, they had all that stuff. They were you could really read a Playboy. Um, so I assume that when they were going not nude, that they would just be another brand like that, like a Time magazine or any of the other things like here, you know, maybe they were a little more risque, like a GQ or like a Maxim or something like that. Like Maxim was never nude, I don't think. Somebody help me in the comments. I feel like they were just like bikinis and stuff, but it was a lot of like, you know, these are the cool cocktails. Here's the hot spots for, you know, vacations or clubs, shit like that. I thought that's what that Playboy was doing. But I will say this is an interesting twist of like, they're going to take on OnlyFans. Meaning that it's going to be Playboy, but it's going to be a creator platform. And I think why I find this so interesting is because this has been the crux of the whole media landscape, right? We went from gatekeepers. We went from editors and writers and columnists and commenters, right? Professionals, people who, you know, were raised in a business, were, were taught with a code that had a moral compass and a landscape, whether it was politics or tech reviews or whatever it was, they were brought up as journalists and they wrote or they were film critics or whatever. It was, it was, there was a gatekeepingness to it, right? You had to earn those positions. You had to come up, you had to learn to go about it. And then the internet happened and what happened? It was all crowdsourced, right? Next thing you know, Phil in his basement can start a blog and his article on the tech review could be just as big as anything else. You look at what MKH, MK, MKHB has done in the tech review space, and you look at all the old, you know, blog, gadget, and all these things that used to be big, CNET, and all these crazy, but they're nothing now. And it was, it's the one, it's because everything has been, you know, taken down to the common person. There's no more gatekeepers. If you want to be, you know, a TV star, a magazine. So if you want to be a model, 
You can start posting pictures of yourself on Instagram and you could be just as big as anybody that had to make it into the swimsuit issue, right? Now the swimsuit issue doesn't have as much power as it used to have, right? Now you have models that are on TikTok and Instagram. They're way bigger than anybody that goes on to the swimsuit issue. Now kind of to get onto the swimsuit issue, you have to have a big following to begin with. So the whole landscape kind of changed. So it's kind of interesting to have an old school brand like Playboy use their brand equity to give themselves back to creators and say, come onto our platform and do your thing and create. Like, I think we're really, we're taking Playboy's brand equity out for a spin to see if they still got it. Cause at one time it was the biggest thing ever. There were the clubs, right? There was the TV show. There was the magazine. They eventually went into the channel. There was strictly porn, but like all these other things were kind of really big lifestyle things, you know, that had to do with sex, but kind of not really, you know, yeah, sure. The bunnies at the clubs and they were all dressed scantily clad and everything, but it wasn't like, you know, crazy naked nude stuff. You know, it was more about the lifestyle. You know, you didn't see sex on Playboy so much as you saw the smoking jacket and the girls dressed up. And it was a lifestyle thing. Uh, so it's interesting to see them take that and then give it to creators and say, do your thing on our platform. Like if there's money behind this, it'll be interesting to see if they can get, I don't know who the biggest creators are on OnlyFans. I would assume Tommy Lee. I would assume that girl, the first big girl to break that was on like the Disney channel and she was in the Adam Sandler movie, right? Her, like, I, it would be interesting to see if they can get those creators to come over and post on their Playboy site, you know? Because again, you're talking about an old school brand that was part of that whole gatekeeper thing. And now they're going to be just letting anybody do it. And I wonder if they're going to let anybody do it or if they're going to, carefully curate who comes on over, you know? I don't know. Um, the Post learned that Playboy's first ever digital cover, which features model Amanda Cerny, who has made more than a million dollars as a Playboy creator since using the beta version of the platform, of the platform, excuse me, called Centerfold. Playboy first launched Centerfold with spokeswoman Cardi B in December of 2021 as a place for creative freedom and artistic expression and sex positivity. Much like OnlyFans, it allows models to cultivate paying subscribers. Playboy told the Post it is dropping the name Centerfold and the platform will instead be integrated into the fabric of Playboy. You know, I wonder, is that appealing to people? Like, think about this way. If you're making mediocre money on OnlyFans, I think you're going to run over to this and go, let me see if I can give it a shot over here. Because I don't know how people feel in the comments, but I feel like Playboy was at its most successful when they were selling you the girl next door. You know, they always made big moves when they got a celebrity to do something, whenever they got a celebrity to pose on the cover and everything. But even when you look at all their stars, like the Pam Andersons and the Adam Nicole Smiths in the beginning, in the early days of their careers with Playboy, they were always selling them as the girl next door, you know, the common girl. Um, 
So I wonder if they're going to utilize that same sort of, you know, mentality into trying to launch this. I also think as strong of a brand as Playboy is, it's the height of stupidity to go after OnlyFans. I mean, it just seems fucking crazy to me. It's like going after TikTok. Like there are just some brand, like it's like, it's like launching a new cell phone against Apple and Google. Like there are some brands that are so entrenched in their vertical that you it's impossible to take them on for as powerful as facebook and instagram is i I know they're holding their own i just feel like they're not even close to what tiktok is producing right and i mean i know there i know there's tons of other sites out there like OnlyFans, but most of us can i can't name them i know there's some soda thing i've heard of something soda i don't know Everybody's heard of OnlyFans. Just the brand is so friggin' strong, you know? So it's impossible to topple. Um, all right, Abraham Lincoln might be my favorite story of the episode. So let's do George Santos really quick. So George Santos, you have to file in order to run for office. And George Santos yesterday filed paperwork to run for re-election right here on Long Island. <coughs> This guy, I mean, he's on his way out. He's getting investigated. He's the biggest embarrassment in Congress, which is really saying something because Congress is filled with mostly embarrassments. And being, you know, investigated by the House Ethics Committee, all this jazz, somehow he's managed to raise $5,000 for re-election. And by law, when you make that much, you have to file with the FEC. He had to do it by the deadline, which was yesterday. He had accrued more than $5,000 in donations. So he announced his candidacy for 2024. I don't know if this is a goof, if people are like, let's just send this son of a bitch some checks. And so he's got to do this again. You know, I don't know if this is a Bodie McBoat face time. Remember when they asked the internet, hey, let's name this boat. And the internet overwhelmingly chose Bodie McBoat face because it's the fucking internet, you know? I'm not sure what happened here, but George Santos yesterday, because he has already raised the legal amount of $5,000, announced his candidacy for another run uh, at, uh, at the 3rd Congressional District here on Long Island. Fucking crazy. Like, we've, cra- we've crossed so many crazy lines with this friggin' guy. Like, remember when the craziest thing was, I can't believe this guy isn't, resigning isn't that crazy and here we are on march 15th going i can't believe the guy who didn't resign (laughs) is now running again i'm telling you is he a republican or a democrat i forget i think he's a republican there must be democrats that are drooling to get that is an automatic win an automatic win for a Democrat. I shouldn't say that, though, because he would most likely be challenged in a primary by another Republican who will obviously blow past him and win without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, last story of the episode, and I appreciate you guys hanging with me here on this solo run. Abraham Lincoln. I fucking love this story. I'm sorry for my language. I get excited. I love this story. Absolutely love this story. So 
they found a clam. And this clam was so big. This clamor, let me see, down in Florida, I think Tallahassee. The clam was so big. It was 2.6 pounds. It's a, it's a, I'm sorry. Is it a quag or quahog? I'm not sure. Q-U-A-H-O-G. We have quag Long Island. So it's spelled different, but I don't know if it's quahog or whatever. But anyway, they found this clam. Clams, much like trees, you could tell the age by the ring. So every year, like the clam will bury itself. It'll kind of like get, get a ring on its shell. And it'll grow a little bit bigger. So down in Tallahassee, Florida, um, AmeriCorps member Blaine Parker was digging and he, boom, picks up this clam. It's huge. Uh, they were going to eat it. And there's like, oh, you found this two pound clam. Fry that sucker up, put some butter and garlic on it, have a little party. And then they thought, this is a really big clam. So Parker and his whole crew thought, eh, this is pretty big. All right, let's, let's figure out what this is. So they take it over to the aquarium at the Gulf Specimen Marine Lab, where he actually works. And they start to get to work. They weigh it. They measure it. They take a look at all the rings. And they come to the conclusion that there are 214 layers to this clam on the shell which would mean that it was probably born around 1809, which is the same year Abraham Lincoln was born. Thus, they named it Abraham Lincoln. I mean, is that not the most adorable wordplay that you've ever heard? It's just fucking phenomenal. What I'd like to do, and Paul, uh, Robin is on my wavelength here, Let's get around to fucking Abraham Lincoln's for the table. I'd love if we all sat down and, uh, you know, did some Abraham Casino. That would just be the fucking best ever. That would be the absolute best ever. You imagine coming across a clam that's two and a half pounds in weight. I mean, I would think the first, I, I would do the same thing this guy did. I'd be like, we are going to cook this son of a bitch. Put some garlic, put some bread crumb, breadcrumb. We're going to have a good old time with this thing. And then go, huh, this is kind of big. We should get this measured up. So, yeah, Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if it's taken the internet by storm, but certainly a lot of people are talking about Abraham Lincoln. And uh, it's pretty big, you know, to see to see this Blaine Parker, which, by the way, kudos on the name Blaine Parker. What a fucking, it's not like a goddamn superhero. That's a great name. Uh, to see him holding up this uh, Abraham Lincoln is really a sight to see because it's kind of almost... I mean, it's bigger than a hamburger, you know? I wouldn't say the size of his head, but it's pretty big, you know? Again, I don't know if I could, <laughs> I don't know if I could boil him up, but it would make me want to put him aside and go get some more of his little friends and cook those bad boys up for sure. For sure. Oh, what I wouldn't do for a fucking tray of Clams Casino right now. Oh, my God. Or Rockefeller? I don't know. Maybe do a little Rockefeller action. It's all good. Have you ever had, I mean, even a bad clam is still kind of a good clam. I'll put the link in the live chat for that story there. If you want to check out Abraham Lincoln, that was one of my favorite stories of the week so far. All right. Appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for being my co-hosts on this episode. Uh, everybody was down. Cuddles is down, not feeling well. Jay Sabs is out strangling dogs. I don't know where the fuck Frank is. I think he's uh, tracking the mothership. 
Uh, everybody was busy, but I had a good time with just you guys. Kind of makes me think like we don't need those losers anymore, doesn't it? Oh, never. That's my crew. Uh, ride or die. Can't wait to get Jay Samson and Frankie C back in the mix. Can't wait to see you guys on Friday's episode. Remember, don't forget to like and share and subscribe. Do all the things. Do all the things that people usually do to help us with the old algorithm there. And uh, become a member, of course. That helps us in a major way. For as low as $2.99, you can, of course, join for a higher amount, which gets you some more stuff. All those uh, details and information are linked in this description. We also have that information up at anthonyonair.com where we have our merch store as well. So if you want to pick up a snuggly, cuddly shirt or sweatshirt, I saw a bird in the chat earlier talking about wearing her hoodie. I do not just because it's our brand of stuff, but we really do kind of pick the nicer uh, merch. So it does, you know, feel warm and comfy. The t-shirts are really nice and comfortable. They last really long. Uh, so go check that out. Grab a t-shirt for somebody. And uh, there you go. I'll let Bert say it. Have a good night, everybody. Love you all. Took the words right out of my mouth. We'll catch you guys on the Friday episode. Thanks for hanging with me. Again, share as much as you can. Become a member. And, uh, you know, we'll seize you on the next one. Later. And later, Abraham Lincoln. This episode is dedicated to you. Show me potato salad. Maybe we should go now. Go ahead.